And when a child is born in society, the child did not ask to be born into society. You don't start taxing that child immediately. Well, you owe us. Born in this, oh, you owe us. You know, it's like being jumped in a gang. You know, you're like everyone beats you up when you come in the gang, and then they make you put in work. You know, to prove yourself. Like it's, it's, that's gang mentality. Like, are we going to move fast past the barbarism? You know, oh, the, through the barbarism comes the great stuff. No, that's not true. People need space to think. That's why so many intellectuals come from upper middle class families. You know, they have the opportunity to spend the time thinking about really interesting questions. I, I have, uh, I, I personally, you know, when you look at like the patterns of history and things like that, I mean, my gateway to understanding humanity is usually been through art history, you know, and, and when you look at like how revolutions happen, you know, what you have is you get this. The zeitgeist of young people who've got new ideas, and then inevitably, an older, more established, wealthy person kind of jumps in front of the group, and then、um, guides the revolution, either violent or not, into basically exactly the same place that it's been. And, and I think, and I and I think we're actually at a. No, no, no. That's definitely not an accident. You know, that's it's really a purposeful thing. But I think that there is a difference now, in that you know we've kind of. Come to an end of our narrative arc where where that's acceptable anymore to young people. You know, how many generations have we said that it's too late? You know, environmentally for the planet that we're seeing all these awful changes. And I think, if nothing else, just the environment is gonna is gonna you know cause a lot of young people to look up and say, you know what? Actually, we maybe that's we're gonna actually take over this shit and do it differently. Um, and not listen to you, old people. You know, so the I'm actually very encouraged by the OK Boomer movement. You know, <laughs> like, of that kind of mindset because I think those kids aren't aren't going to sort of fall for it if that makes sense. The stakes are too high. You know,、uh, just a thing I add to like all these conversations, which is my、uh, even though this is a thought experiment, my sense of urgency about these type of conversations is that change does need to happen, and I'm hoping it happens. Immediately and peacefully, because there are, you know, like rumors and a feeling of like、uh, bloody revolutions about to happen, and race wars and all kinds of crazy genocides happening, and that's what we don't want to happen because everyone's upset, everyone disgruntled, no one's being treated fairly, and this is what happens. You know, it, it can keep going the way it is. So、uh, these are all capitalism is an idea. You know. Uh, slavery and racism is an idea. We can change our ideas into a better idea. You can be actualizing finally. What if you could be actualizing right from you know second grade? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Where you can understand what actualization is. <laughs> I mean, in the、That's、point where you realize、trans. that you're finite, you know, then you start thinking about who you are, and that really happens somewhere around first and second grade for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, so you get to define what is meaningful to you in your life. And not everybody's well. That doesn't make money, and do 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 the other thing, and you know, and then maybe you just do what people tell you, and then you're not happy. 
Yeah. That's, so many that's them. what's beaten into you from, like you said, first and second grade, I mean, really from day one, you know, capitalism and servitude yeah. and uh, self-devaluation is what's taught, taught to you from the very beginning. So that's why when you're an adult, for one of the reasons why when you're an adult, it's so hard to break out of that model because it's all kind of like baked in. To well, your think, understanding. About, uh, think about that crazy uh, uh, concept that um, you see a lot of, you know, in certain uh, realms of Christianity, right? Quote, unquote, the meek shall inherit. I mean, what a ruse, right? I mean, the, yeah. like the whole idea of that is to limit the person into, you know, just kind of staying meek. You know, <laughs> yeah, don't don't fight back. Don't question authority. Don't yeah. don't do anything. Just just do what you're told. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then you'll inherit in the end. Right. That's, and that's in, the end, in, in the afterlife. Well, nonetheless, yeah, so you get it now, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, that seems awesome. like a really bad deal. That's, yeah, <laughs> you know, that sounds like a, a deal Trump would extend to you, I think. It always surprises <laughs> me, too, when I deal with generations of people who've grown up with that as a philosophy. Yeah. And they don't think that that it's not only not not only that happiness is not even a something that's on their to do list, you know, of important things that they want to accomplish, but that even maybe contentment isn't, you know, yeah. that, that maybe even peace isn't. Like, no, you got to constantly be grinding nose to the grindstone. That's you know, that's the essence of it. Yes, that is the essence of it. If we were in the wild. What do we live right. in society for? Okay. Right. And when a child is born in society, the child did not ask to be born into society. You right. don't start taxing that child immediately. Well, you owe us. You're born in this, oh, you owe us. You know, it's like being jumped in a gang. You know, you're like, everyone beats you up when you come in the gang. And then they make you put in work, you know, to prove yourself. Like, it's, right. it's, that's gang mentality. It really like, is. Are we going to move fat past the barbarism? You know? Oh, the, through the barbarism comes the great stuff. No, that's not true. People need space to think. That's why so many intellectuals come from upper middle class families. Of course. You know, they have the opportunity to spend the time thinking about really interesting questions. Yeah. Yeah. You need that leisure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it, it's interesting that like, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like that there would be certain environments where you know, um, Dre and I have talked to this. My, my background is Jewish and Irish, and neither of those things were considered uh, uh, part of the white clan. You know, part of the uh, part of the white group uh, originally. But you know, I sit here kind of saddled with all the white, you know, all the white privilege that uh, that any white person has. And uh, I think if I came forward with some of these with some of these thoughts and ideas, I, you know, I, I'd be kind of shouted down for the ideas coming out as my privilege, right? Like, like, like that, that really is a, is a privilege. We don't have time for that. It does seem to be like this from my experience at Catholic school, I guess I went to school with a lot of Irish Catholics and there's a, there's a different idea about what you have to do in order to grind out an existence. You know, mm. Some of that probably came from the, you know, one of the many potato famines, but yeah. uh, also just horrible sure. treatment in Europe by you know other europeans who thought that they, they were more white and uh, more privileged than than irish people or people of the of the gaelic background mm -hmm. right you know and it's very like you said it's it's interesting because it's a similar story for jews um particularly in this country I, you know back when when jews first came to america they weren't even allowed to participate in certain businesses 
right. And when they had to do jobs that, you know, like sanitation, for example, um, and uh, do jobs that other groups didn't want to do. And it's it's always been kind of like that gang mentality in America. Like, you know, you're coming in here, you know, you got to start at the bottom. Uh, we're going to punk you. Yeah. You got to, you know, and a bunch of gangsters will then come out of your community too that are really good at doing kind of business. And, exactly. It's like, you know, we elevate the, the worst. <laughs> the thing about America is it's very binary. Like you'll either fall in one camp or the other. Like either you're lighting up to be white or you're not. <laughs> and you're some uh, and you're other, you know. You know the 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 stereotypes about Jews back in like the early 1900s, yeah. late 1800s, yeah, first coming over. It's what was that? Stereotypes of, of African of people of African descent. It's the same. It's exactly the same. That, that's what's so funny because you can find writings about Jews from that time that said that we were all great at music and entertainment and had big dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing new in the racist playbook. Yep. No, <laughs> nothing new whatsoever in the racist playbook, man. Uh, fuck. Well, this is blowing. This is blowing my mind. So, so then, I mean, where do we take this from here? Right, climbing into the weeds. Right. Obviously, we see we're looking to create a different type of human understanding. I think of this as you know, really propelling human to the next stage of evolution. Right. I mean, that's that's where um, kind of this is, right? Imagine the world if we could get the majority of people to see it like this. Yeah, I mean, pragmatically, well, well, it does really, if, I'm going to try to unpack a couple of different things that you said. Getting people to see it uh, probably is a simpler task. Um, it comes down to media. Um, yeah. It is very effective at getting people to see another perspective. It's that dynamic of the medium itself, you know, um, I can get a little bit in the weeds on that, but in general, it's just a great tool for programming the mind to see yeah. the perspectives, especially if you're identifying with the speaker, the narrator, or the main character. Soon, you have transported yourself into that world, and you can probably be convinced of a lot of things you wouldn't normally see the perspective of. So I do think media is effective, but I also think education is effective. Now, the other thing I want to go back a little bit further is like, okay, so do we need physics to really uh, explore this idea of non-locality and determine whether or not it is, I mean, clearly it's one of the viable explanations for, for quantum phenomena, but uh, whether or not it is the prevailing one in order to start incorporating its use in a, a sort of like this social level. And um, I don't think it needs to be because it was there philosophically for a long time with humans. It's been around, but it's sort of been on the fringes of different spiritual beliefs. And uh, now that it's got some decent support from the science side, you know, you can get some buy-in from people who consider themselves technical, consider themselves scientific, who literally would reject spirituality because I'm one of those people. And, uh, you know, and I don't reject this at all. It makes complete sense to me. Um, it also makes sense about explaining sort of where my existence will be after this, um, that I won't necessarily exist in this form at all. Maybe there's a mind that transcends. Maybe there isn't. Um, that really depends on the fabric of the universe itself. But one thing's for sure is that some part of me still exists and is still connected in one form or another. That uh, at a quantum level, for sure, that's true. And, um, and so, you know, if you want to ex extrapolate from there and, and say, 
is this a full spectrum belief system that covers your origin, you know, your purpose and where you're going? Yes, it's all there. Now, can you start teaching it philosophically and maybe approach it from, from a direction where it really depends what type of academic environment you're talking about. But let's just say you, you're, you're uh, teaching kids this. It's probably very easy to, to, to put it into a story format that's easily digestible, you know, that, uh, that you are the other, that there's really no other, and that there's this interconnectedness of everything. And then from there also media, and then you have a generation of people that grow up that put a little more weight, a little more value on the individual than what we've ever had before. And uh, they start they start changing society. They start, you know, uh, amending constitutions. Um, you know, maybe as as a as a planet, we decide that we're not really interested in nuclear weapons anymore. You know, um, that the idea of war is kind of like if we have to show up dollars and our money through guns in people's faces, that's probably not a good system. And we start moving away from that. It actually, like Maya Angelou says, it becomes a joke when people talk about war. You know, yeah, I tell you, I see this as a, as a person who just, you know, not only did I was I big in martial arts, you know, but big as a competitor too. Like I love to get in the ring, and I love to compete. But that's all it was to me is competition. Never hated the person on the other side. Right. Never wanted to hurt them, you know, out of any sense of malice, anything. Um, just competition, and right. I, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's there's a problem when I'm, I'm talking about. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm going to take that person's life over there so I can take their stuff because I deserve it more than them. Right. And that's what we have a lot of going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know? right. Yeah, whether it's direct or indirect. Yeah, so you know, it, it, the hogging of resources that does, does the exact same thing. No, the hogging of resources. And then you come up with a false narrative about why you deserve it. And those people are less than you and blah, blah, right. blah. You yeah. know? So we're going to have to start, like we're going to have to pretty much start with another generation, start moving in that direction. Um, yeah. And it's totally doable because if you look at millennials, they have changed their value system. They don't have our values. They don't have my gener- generation's value system at all. No, they're, they're a hell of a lot closer than we are about that. I mean, they are a lot closer to this than we yeah, are. They are. They, I mean, plus, like, likes are worth more or at least as much as money. Yeah. It's a like. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. That's I, true. And I'm like, how fast did that change in just a span of 10 years? Mm-hmm. Like, decades. Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's what, and I keep saying like, you know, it's not worth as much as people think it is, but they've changed your value system to a digital one right? and it happened really overnight. So it's, it's possible to, in a generation, change that. Right. So I, I, that, that would be, that would be the battle plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's you a great battle plan. You have to go at it with education. It yeah. You happens. have to education, education and entertainment. Yep. Yeah. I, I will say as a, a small word of caution that the uh, potential flaw in this plan is that with any particular scientific theory, it can be later on disproven. Uh, so right. that's that's the one teeny tiny thing. But the big hope is that pinning it on science in general is great because not only do you have to prove it, but science also encourages you to throw out something when it's not real or useful. I mean, there, there are a ton of different ways to, there are a lot of different gateways to get to oneness, you know, a hundred percent, Yeah, a lot of different gateways. I would to get say to even if you did throw that out, you know, the, the point of origin is still the same. Still mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. One way or another, even if even it's if it's a multiple universes theory, that that still plays out. It's still singularity. It's still, yeah, it's still yeah. one. Well, even if it, if it wasn't, the fact that it's a spiritual based or spirit based universe connects us all just to that level. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And and if nothing else, the one fallback is consciousness itself. Yeah, that's the same thing. We're all yeah. conscious beings. Period. Yeah. End of story. Right. Right. Yeah, but, you know, my, my problem is still always the hard problem in consciousness. Like, what yes. is consciousness? <laughs> Defining it, proving it, and then that leaves a lot of wiggle room for people to say, well, I'm more conscious than you are. One thing is for certain, this, I mean, any understanding like this really does away with a lot of the, not just world's religions, but it does away with a lot of just generally speaking, world's philosophies and politics. I mean, you know, we've talked, Dre and I talked about this before. I mean, just, just to criticize my own faith, right? Any faith that, uh, that claims a land to the exclusion of others is probably missing the point, right? Like yeah. if, if, if that's what you're doing, you're, you're placing yourself in a place and you're saying, no, this is ours and it's not yours. So get the fuck off. Yeah. That's, 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 that's missing the point, right? Cause it's denying the, yeah. the oneness of humanity. Any, exactly. any, any philosophical political system that's an identity based, you know, politic or philosophy is, is going to be undermining, you know, um, just the general oneness that we're talking about here. Right. And so, you know, it, it does away with all those as well. Right. I mean, it's like, that's right. yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you can have an identity for sure, but uh, your identity being somehow more important than the next person's identity and your voice needed to be heard more than the next person's, that wouldn't be true. Yeah, that's the crucial difference. Right, right. And then, and then it, you know, when you take that and then translate it to a political system of laws, you know, what you see is that, you know, generally speaking, you're, you're going to want to create something that to the best of your ability is going to protect everyone's right to you know, be themselves, you know, pursue whatever it is that they, that they would like to pursue as long as it's not harming someone else's opportunity to pursue what it is that they want to do, right? I mean, it gets sort of very simple in that way. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some basic inalienable rights that uh, we can all agree on, you know? Definitely, we can all agree that we deserve to live, you know? Um, the one context where I think people would disagree is like, you know, if someone did something horrible to them and they're like, you know, that person... They don't deserve to live. They did something bad to me and my family. But we're talking about a system that has the ability to impact the degree to which that happens anymore. Right. Because if we, if we look at a lot of crime, and most of it's related to money, right, from another, some degree of some percentage of it is related to a degree of sociopathy, and mm -hmm. that sociopathy is reinforced by everything around us. You know? Right. We, we almost seem to to lord over the people who are the most sociopathic who make the most money or the most yep. narcissistic yeah. who make the most fame. You yep. know? And that seems to be where the reward system is. So of course you're going to have some people where that gets perverted and it goes in a very bad direction. Yeah. So, I mean, we would eliminate a lot of things. We definitely have society. There definitely are societies now and in antiquity where these kinds of crimes that we see in these societies did not occur. And definitely did not occur with any frequency. They had their own issues, but this is actually, we have to admit that a lot of what we're seeing is related to the kind of society that we have. That's yeah, it's, it, it's all hackable. It's like we were saying earlier, if people's basic fundamental needs are provided for, 
and you have a system that encourages you encourages you to find your your true self for lack of a better phrase you know your identity your employment whatever you want to do with yourself the rate of crime should drop down dramatically yeah it should dramatically um and then what you're left with there is people who actually are just you know wired incorrectly yeah but then you're surrounded by a culture who can like put their arms around you and like, you know, work, work with you on that. So then it will drop down even more. It's never going to go down to zero. You're always going to have a couple of outliers. You're always gonna have outliers. Be and I, I will make an argument that you probably need those outliers. You do need outliers yeah. in any system. In so any system. Some, of the, some of whatever is, is driving those impulses, at, you know, has probably some, in some way supported the existence of the human race. Like mm-hmm. you know, sociopaths are probably really good hunters. They're probably really good at surviving, you know, when, when we need to do that. Um, yeah. Go and kill the other tribe off or something like that. But it comes a point where that kind of system isn't really that scalable. You know, right. That kind of philosophy isn't really that scalable. And we want to minimize that. And, you know, if you get, you get people like that that are, uh, you know, ostracized and, and it's not really promoted in society, the numbers right. are definitely going to go down. Right, because the American system right now encourages sociopathy and psychopathy. So, yeah, we can't have this. So if you just have a system that rewards the opposite, then you're going to curb a lot of those issues as well. Well, yeah, yeah because the sociopath and the psychopath who knows how to pretend will, will, for the sake of their own self-preservation, pretend to be whatever it is that is going to find them successful. Yeah, they yeah, exactly. Find them exactly. They'll they'll blend in with right. the do-gooders yeah, because right. that's what gets them the highest that's reward. Important. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, the folks that we'd have to really worry about are the people with like, you know, significant horm- hormonal imbalances that, you know, pushes them to sort of strike out in that way. Right. And, um, and then it's like, no, 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 this is, this is not what we do here, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, and in a science-based culture where everyone's running on all cylinders, we'll probably come up with a lot of solutions for that kind of thing. Of course. Of course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are we missing? What, what haven't we covered in this conversation yet? <laughs> I mean, that was the goal was to really come up with a sort of a, a spectrum of what this kind of physics principle can, uh, can, can sort of have impact on. Like, does it have impact on philosophy, religion, society, the individual? Is it something that the individual understands, you know, that... Um, that I'm connected to everyone and everything. Is it a simple enough message? Is it a repeatable ideology? Is it something that's, you know, provable to yourself? Like, I think, I think it covers all those bases. Like we've all had experiences where there's a cause and effect to everything that we've done. Of course. And, uh, you know, doing things to others have come back on us and we've seen that. That's one of the wisdoms of the world. So it's something that I think that people have experienced already. And is a framework that they can uh, grasp onto. Um, so if it has all those different touch points covered, it seems like it's a simple enough idea that can have a lot of uptake. Yeah. Yeah. And anyone who's experienced any form of love whatsoever, whether it's like love for your children or romantic love or your parents, or whatever, has had a moment or two where your sense of self has dropped away and you do feel like you're one with that other person. If only for a moment. And even people who don't have that, like, uh, you know, with actors, they often do this as if exercise and actor can get into a certain place to empathize with a character. They say, you know, as if, right. And they try to explain it in a way 
or uh, in the context of an experience that the actor would have had. So you can right. identify, it's as if this, it's as if that. So even for the people who are sort of like closed off, there's an as if gateway to it, to understanding yeah. like the other. There is an as yeah. if. Even if that as if is as is just yourself, not just your loved one. Sure, but it's like, sure. You, you imagine if it happened to you. you know? they, they can they can seem to they seem to be able to visualize it happening to themselves. That basic yeah. level of understanding of what it feels like to be in a situation like that is something that can help people extend out from there and and understand what it means like in general to be in a situation yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, you know, when you're talking about major paradigm shift, it's hard to avoid the clash. I mean, ultimately, you know, folks aren't uh, convinced of the thing just on the merit of it. Usually there's um, at one point there's, like you said in, earlier in this, that at some point it's 51 percent of the people who believe in it. And then it's 57 percent and then it's 80 percent and then it's 98 percent or whatever, you know, whatever number it gets to. But it takes time and a lot of conflict and challenges. Right. I mean. When you look at our world today, you know, it should sort of scare the shit out of us that, you know, mm -hmm. different folks operating from different paradigms create different educational systems, right? Because what they're saying is we, we don't want to send our children to this one because we understand that this one is going to change the way our children fundamentally see the world. And it's going to, it's going to be so different from us that we then won't be able to relate to our children anymore. So, you know, you see resistance along those lines, but science is sort of undeniable except that people still work pretty hard to deny it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even as they use the byproducts of, of science. Yeah. It, the, yeah. The biggest impediments to teaching science is still racism. So yeah. if there's anything that like detracts from racism, <laughs> it's like weird, then they don't want to teach it. So like evolution, like yeah. you can't really reconcile being racist and evolution is real in the same breath. So the places that want to be very racist don't want you to teach evolution. Yep. 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 And, and, and there's a religious component there too. You know, I mean, yes, I, I definitely have met my fair share of folks who, who only want to believe that the earth is 5,000 some odd years old. And, and then ask, you know, you ask, well, how do you explain the fact that there are dinosaur bones that we can date to many more years prior to that? And, 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 and there's no debate. What they say is, is that those dinosaur bones were placed there by God to test their faith. Yeah. I didn't know that carbon dating is actually real. Yeah. And my response is, I've actually carbon dated something. Yeah. 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 And it's always like annoying when uh, you're talking evolution and they're like, I didn't come from no damn monkey. And I'm like, well, that's great because that's not what evolution says. Like, yeah. I don't know. Where you're getting your data from? Yeah. <laughs> like it does not say that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So neither did I. Congratulations. Like same team. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, however, nonetheless, evolution is quite real. That's right. That's right. No, it's uh, definitely there's. No, we're talking uh, idealism here, right? We're talking the you know if if the perfect world was created, what would it look like? And I you know I think you're 100 right. You know this basic understanding. And look, the truth is. The, the the arc of history is long, but it does it does tend to bend towards good. I mean, I believe that at least. And you know, there was a time where the images out there that allow it to, you know, that kind of steer it in a direction where we can finally end up at a at a good destination because there are definitely dystopian iterations on the yeah. that no we're staring like down the barrel of right now. Yeah, I mean, no, no question. I, who knows what's going to be in the next three months, right? Let alone, uh, you know, 20 years, 100 years. But you think about like, you know, there was a time when the when Aristotle's teachings were so completely radical that 
that nobody knew, uh, you know, sort of had a, what to do about that. But it, but it became a part of the zeitgeist, like you said. And, and, then, and then nowadays, even people who've never read Aristotle, even at all, you know, for the most part, their faith is Aristotelian. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, just, that's just what the, what the approach yeah, is. It's so in. It does. It makes it in there. But what's so painful is that, you know, a single human life is just like starts in the middle of the story, ends in the middle of the story. And, and you don't necessarily see a lot of change. But, you know, but the idea being that, you know, if we can start to plant seeds of these types of thoughts that you're bringing forward here, you know, then ideally at some point it takes over and then just becomes the side things, right? I, mean, I never really understood why uh, philosophy left curriculums. Um, mm. And certainly I have less understanding of why we haven't taught philosophy at an earlier age to children. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, you have any questions about whether or not people have the capacity to reason or to critically think. I mean, you have to blend down the curriculum. That's right. You, know, you have to bring philosophy into the discussion. It's, That's it's right. Crazy. That's right. I mean, in a lot of ways, the first step should probably be to, um, to you know, to value the folks in society who are having the biggest impact on society, right? So, yeah. you know, teachers should be hands down the highest paid profession in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know, easily. Start there. Start there. Yeah. And then what happens is that's where the quality people go. Yeah. And then yeah. next thing you know, you've got quality yeah. ideas and things like that. Yeah, that's that's exactly what would happen. If you're in a capitalist system, it's like very easy to like turn those faucets off and on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the motivation for, for teaching and the motivation to do things like medicine shouldn't come from money. No. It, it should come from a, from a deeper, more intrinsic place. Like I, you know, I either, you don't want people to go into things because there's a lot of money in it and maybe they're not good at it, but they can, they can, they can play the institutional game. You right. want the people who are really passionate about it to go into it. Right, right. You know? And I mean, who doesn't want a doctor that's passionate? And yet we sure. have so many doctors that are like in it for the cash. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so much better to have a world where everyone or mostly everyone is doing the task that makes it just feel like the time is just evaporating and you just can go forever and ever. You just have limitless energy because you're so enthralled and enjoying it. That's right. And that's just not the experience of most people most of the time. You know, I always wanted them to do an episode of uh, Star Trek where, you know, they went back in the past and it was kind of like that weird time when they were transitioning from one uh -huh. society to the next. Because, I mean, even Khan's world versus uh, Kirk's world, you know, they, they have their form of dystopia, you know, where there's a federation of interplanetary federation and people get to actualize what they want to actualize. Mm -hmm. You know, they get to be polymathic, you know, right. mathematic. We don't have that right now. Mm -hmm. It seems like the polymath no longer exists. But, um, but in that world, they had those. And I was always like, well, how did they get there? How did humanity mm -hmm. get to that mm -hmm. place? Was it a verge of like, you know, we were on the verge of self-destruction. This was the only solution. What, what caused that change? It was a replicator, right? So well, in Star, Star Trek, it actually did start with a, a immense war that brought uh, society down to well, I thought it was almost going extinct. Yeah. Then it was the warp, and then it was the replicator after that. The warp and yeah. the replicator. Yeah. Society did collapse first in the story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but the warp and the replicator, those two things, you know, now you can get off and go far, and, and also you don't, you, there's, there's, you're in a post- When you say replicator, you mean the matter energy scrambler? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you can make that. You can make food out of whatever. You know, oh, well, right, yeah, it's the sad truth about our culture. If someone invented the replicator, yeah, you still have to it. pay for it. <laughs> yeah. You still have to pay for it. Only yeah, yeah, economies actually. of scale or anything. It just that would yeah, be no, it wouldn't be distributed at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Well, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't think I have anything else to add to the conversation at this point. You know, um, this definitely uh, is is freaking awesome and uh you know i'm i'm really uh thankful for this and thankful for your time vishnu and always good to get caught up in our second ever conversation in the history of <laughs> Jure, do you have anything else to add to this at this point no uh just the thing i add to like all these conversations which is my uh, even though this is a thought experiment my sense of urgency about these type of conversations is that change does need to happen and i'm hoping it happens immediately and peacefully because there are you know like rumors and a feeling of like uh, bloody revolutions about to happen and yeah. race wars and all kinds of crazy genocides happening and that's what we don't want to happen because everyone's upset everyone disgruntled me no one's being treated fairly and this is what happens you know it, it can keep going the way it is so yeah uh, uh, these are all capitalism is an idea you know uh slavery and racism is an idea we can change our ideas into a better idea yeah we're 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 on a war footing right now our society we're absolutely on a war footing i mean there's just no question that that's kind of I, mean, where I, I i i couldn't agree more i mean one of the one of the things for me was i sort of took a little bit of a pragmatic approach and went basically at the system of value that we have mm. and uh i don't believe that the form of of a value system that I'm involved with right now is even close to what we're talking about here, but it's better than what we have because we have yeah, centralized right. banking. It's, it's a huge problem. Centralized banking is what's financing a lot of what, what's going on in terms of war, in terms of yeah. war machines and yeah. driving a lot of these kinds of economies. And centralized banking uh, it gives, gives a certain group of people, a small group of people, the power to manipulate all kinds of things. Yeah. And yet you have two sides saying, you know, you're the guys behind the curtain. You're the guys behind the curtain. And it's neither one of them. Mm -hmm. It really comes down, like, who prints the money yep. is printing value. Yep, that's and true. We needed to, we need to move away from that system of value into a new one. That's, you know, part of the reason why I got involved with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the blockchain world. But I, I've also noticed that... Um, you know, uh, even though it's less centralized, it's still centralized. Yeah. Power is yeah. still pooling. It's still pooling yeah. around. It's transferring money, but it's still pooling around the people who have the most, with the exception of the early people who got in who were kind of like the believers. Like if Satoshi were to come along tomorrow and decide that he wanted to crash the Bitcoin network or take it to the next level, with the amount of coins that he's had, he holds on to, he could do that. The bankers right. would run right out of it, you know? Like literally, would, mm. you know, if, the, if the World Bank decides that they want to hold larger than 10% crypto assets and this guy comes out of hiding, you know, uh, with, a, with a million coins, it's, they won't have, the, the, the power will shift. And I thought that at least having the ability to shift the power back over to a system that's maybe built in math that is accessible to more people mm -hmm. that it has a, a fair way of creating value 
I mean, people say it's out of thin air, but it's not. It's using energy. It's moving energy from right. one state to the other. Yeah. And there's a finite amount of it. Scarcity always works on humans. And yes. <laughs> and, like, and like you gotta you gotta kind of like spread the property <clears throat> of scarcity of existence because mm. because scarcity always works. It has value. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, that's know, a great way of looking at that. I, I knew, I knew that these, uh, the, the like the millennial crowd is going to move towards a different system of value, and I think yeah. at least in part, it has to do with numbers, it has to do with math, it has to do with machines, and uh, so I feel like I've, I've, you know, I've at least taken the first step towards what my personal goal would be. The next one would be to start producing the kind of media that we're talking about here and putting yeah. it out in a way that, you know, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, shit, I'm on board. Anything you don't want me to do to help out with that, I'm there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm definitely there. You should say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, uh, I, I personally, you know, when you look at like the patterns of history and things like that, I mean, my gateway to understanding humanity has usually been through art and history, you know, and, and when you look at like how revolutions happen, you know, what you have is you get this, this zeitgeist of young people who've got new ideas. And then inevitably an older, more established, wealthy person kind of jumps in front of the group and then um, guides the revolution, either violent or not, into basically exactly the same place that it's been. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think and I, and I think we're actually that's not an accident. No, 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 that's exactly. definitely not an exactly. accident. You know, that's, that's really a purposeful thing. But I think that there is a difference now in that, you know, we've kind of come to an end of our narrative arc where, where that's acceptable anymore to young people. You know, how many generations have we said that it's too late, you know, environmentally for the planet, that we're seeing all these awful changes? And I think if nothing else, just the environment is going gonna, is gonna, to, you know, cause a lot of young people to look up and say, you know what, actually, we, maybe that's, we're going to actually take over the shit and do it differently um, and not listen to you old people, you know? So the, I'm actually very encouraged by the OK Boomer movement, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of mindset, because I think those kids aren't, aren't going to sort of fall for it, if that makes sense. The stakes are too high. You know, yeah, we're killing ourselves on the planet. No one has time for their stubbornness. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I draw my hope from. But it's also incremental steps, right? It's just incremental steps. So one step, and it's going to have to end up being inclusive of the boomers as well. Of course, yeah. Yeah. It, it, is, it is a sad truth you that old you can't leave anybody out. Have a real yeah. hard time learning new tricks. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're here on the planet long enough, you know the planet is constantly changing. Yep. And I've had so many people who are like, I'm not changing, I'm not changing for anything. <laughs> this is the way. Yep. Well, okay. you're changing. <laughs> yeah, whether you, whether you want to or not, it's happening every minute. You change just by saying that. <laughs> yeah, you're changing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 